Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello and welcome to Girl on Fire podcast on the Believe Network, New York's number one podcast network for personal growth. This is your host, Kirsten Franklin, and on this week's show, we have with us a woman who was not only the first female coach uh, in the NFL, but also the first woman to play running back in a men's professional football league. But before all of these groundbreaking positions, she was a highly decorated professional football player in women's professional football. She has Ford Bowl champions, two gold medals in the IFAF, um, you know, in the Women's World Championship as a member of Team USA. Uh, She was selected eight times as an all-star and was inducted to the first class of the Women's Football Hall of Fame back in 2018. Please welcome to the show, the one and only Dr. Jen Welter. Thank you so much for being here with us today, Dr. Jen. An absolute pleasure. I would only be happier if your daughter was joining me at another Gridiron Girls. Yo, when COVID's done. (laughs) I mean, I can't wait. You better be there. (laughs) Totally. All right. So, you know, today I kind of wanted to focus on, you know, mindset. A lot of the stuff that we do on the show is mindset, obviously geared towards women. A lot of our audience are women CEOs, C-suite, you know, founders, business owners, whatever. Um, and that's hey bosses. Yeah, just saying. <laughs> I mean, I like to be surrounded by a boss crew, so <laughs> I, I am happy to be here with all of you. Uh, yeah, let's talk about mental toughness. I mean, we just you know kind of went through your intro and groundbreaking, and you know, first female, and maybe that doesn't hit most people. Um, but I really want to talk about what it took for you mentally, because you know. We're going to face this again. We obviously face this at some point. We've talked about uh, imposter syndrome here on the show in the past and other things that kind of happen when you're leading the charge and you've finally arrived, so to speak, but then all the stuff happens. So I want to talk to you, you know, once you broke through the, the barrier and you actually were on board, what kind of things happened to you? Like mentally, what, where did you go? What, what, what was sort of the you know, fears, frustrations, like irritations in your mind, not those that are thrown at you from everybody outside, because that's going to happen. Right. Yeah. Um, But what kind of went on for you internally and what did you do about it? Well, I think the first thing is for me, you've never stopped. Right. I think that the higher you go, the more you see, right. Like, I, I didn't even know this was a thing. Right. Like, or, wow, when does this get easy? Because, you know, your vantage point is different. And so, you know, I might've thought, you know, I remember when I was playing women's tackle football, it was like, you know, here I, I, I was, I just wanted to be the best, right? Like I wanted to be the best linebacker defensive end ever out there. It was like, if I could make one more tackle, one more good play, people would finally see us, right? It was like, I could tackle their, their misperceptions with great play. And that one day we'd win them over. Well, that didn't actually happen. Right. right? I, I thought I could change things in the women's game by playing it the right way that people just hadn't seen us. It took me stepping on to the men's field for them to really take notice. And I had actually been outspoken my whole career that I would never 
play football against men that I wasn't crazy. Well, apparently God doesn't like never. And he certainly doesn't, maybe he just wanted to prove that I was crazy. Um, but I mean, I was already a football playing doctor at that point. Right. So it, it's like how, how much more, if, if you get, if you get caught in the, where I am right now is not enough, then it feels very overwhelming. Right. But if you look at where you are right now, it's what do I need to do in this moment right now to be successful, right? And we, in sports psychology, we say it's focus on what's in your control. I can't control the weather. I can't control the ref. I can't control who's watching. I can't control what my opponent does. What I can do is know I need to, in this one moment, do this to be successful. And the more I can be laser focused on the things that are in my control, the better I'll be. Not the last play, not the play after this one, not if I do this, then I do. No, right now in this play, what play do I need to make? And then, then you move on to the next one, right? You're not stuck in the, what happened last time. Um, And that's really the resilience, right? Like how, how are you going to play each play? Like it is its own entity and you are perfectly capable. You are perfectly prepared of handling it each and every time. Right. And that doesn't mean not learning, but that means really being focused in and focused on what you need to do because too often we get externally focused and that's where we lose our way. Right. Oh, I can't believe they said this about me in the media. Okay. Right. Well, they said it now, if you're going to be absorbed in it, you know, you might prove them right. And so it's really an interesting place to be. And so for me, I always wanted to be a master of the game within the game, right? There's, there is an absolute definite power um, between studying sports psychology and psychology as you're, as you're playing. Cause I'd be like, Oh, Oh, that's really interesting. Let me try (laughs) that out my game and see if it works. Right. Like, you know, and, and you can really change how other people see you by knowing, um, you know, kind of what those perceptions are. I say, I, I always say, like, when you know what the perceptions are, you can create a reality, right? Um, like, there was this one time in practice where, you know, you can say things so convincing that other people will be convinced that they have figured something out. Right. Right. And I was joking with one of my teammates on defense because she had come in like, like all pink. Right. And I like pink, but I mean, she was like pink to the pink, to the pink, pink. Right. (laughs) And I just, I was joking around and I was like, yo, what's up? Pink power ranger, pink power ranger. Right. I'm calling her pink power ranger. Well, I guess I was saying it so convincingly that my other, that the offense was like, hey, hey, watch Pink Power Ranger, watch Pink Power Ranger. (laughs) They thought they had picked up on a key from me and that I was saying something. So I'd be like, yeah, 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 check one, check one, Pink Power Ranger, Pink Power Ranger. And everybody on defense was dying because Pink Power Ranger meant nothing. Right. Right. But they were so worried about me and this pink power ranger call that like, you know, they started focusing on it and fixating on it and trying to figure out what I was talking about. And really, I was just busting on her for her outfit. Um, But, you know, how we go into these situations and how we carry ourselves um, and the confidence that surrounds us really does impact how other people see us. And so, you know, 
I, I try as much as I can to pull on those things. In terms of insecurities, I think a lot of it, um, for me, when I was first coaching was um, there were no women that I knew that were doing it. So it was like, there was nobody I could look at and say, I'm going to do it her way. Right. Like I, I'm going to, that looked really effective. I'm going to coach the way she coached or lead the way she led. And thankfully for me, um, I got great advice from a dear friend of mine, Terry Glenn, who um, unfortunately passed away a couple of years ago, but we coached together in the, with the revolution. And he said, you know, I've been thinking a lot about you going to the NFL and the best advice I can give you is to be 100% authentic. He said, if you are with those guys, how you were with us every single day, they will absolutely love you. But if you're fake in any way, they will sense it and they will eat you alive. And so there were moments when I wasn't exactly sure or, you know, I thought, oh, is this the right thing? And I was like, nope, you got to be you, right? Like trust your gut. And, and so I really did use that to fortify me in, in situations where I wasn't sure what to do. Well, actually, that brings me to something. So you mentioned something that I always say, especially to my clients who might have imposter syndrome or feeling like maybe you're not enough or, you know, minorities. Oh, did we get here because we checked a box, right? Like women, did we check a box, right? Um, and you talked about it too just now is kind of you're here now what's your next play? Like, it's not about this whole, like, while you understand your sometimes and not even you understand your greater picture, it's, and and we're allowed to swear. I'm sorry. I swear. So fucking what, what got you here? What are you going to do about it? That's all that matters. Imposter syndrome means that they, that they thought you were something that you are not. Yeah. Are you? Yeah. Cause you're there. So if there's something that you don't know, learn it. Exactly. Because no one expects the dudes, dudes don't expect themselves to know everything before they come in the door. Right. And there is a socialization part. I remember, you know, it was funny. There were like, I wasn't worried about a lot of things going in and uh, Larry foot had sent me some stuff to learn um, like some background stuff to learn prior to getting there. So I was like, Oh, okay. Learn all of this. And there were parts on the sheet that said like salt and pepper. I had never heard salt and pepper with reference to football in my entire career, right? Like nobody had ever said salt and pepper to me. So I'm reading it. I'm trying to figure it out. I don't know. And I don't want to ask him because I don't want to feel stupid. Oh. Right. So I'm trying to figure it out. Right. right. Salt and pepper. The, the meat and potatoes are not phasing me right now, but what is salt and pepper? Right. Okay. So I, you know, and I'm not, I, I don't know if I'm allowed to say anything. I don't want to give up anything confidential. Right. So then I'm sitting with my head coach because I was still in indoor football at the time. And I said, you know, and we're, we're at lunch. And I was like, Hey coach, what can you tell me about salt and pepper <laughs> no. and he's like uh, it's condiments coach. he's like salt <laughs> pepper food, little bland you put them on there and I was like no <laughs> I mean 
salt and pepper when it comes to football. Ain't no salt and pepper in football, but coach there is, and I don't know what it means. And maybe I'm out. And he was like, coach, every team has their own language. Right. How they describe things, different ways they move, what a play name is. He's like, some of it doesn't make sense. Some of it, they called it like, you know, 47 blitz because your number was 47. And now you're supposed to remember it, even though 47 doesn't even play on the team. Anymore, right. So there will be a language that you may not know, you know, what it means. And, but you'll learn it as you get there. He said it's like that on every team. And I remember being like. Seriously, salt and pepper <laughs> were like my mental undoing, even though the meat and potatoes of football, uh, you know, I had a really good taste of. So it's I mean, you're expected to have questions when, you know, think about it. If you went to a new culture, just like when you went, to, you go to a new business, there are elements of that culture that you would have to learn. Yeah. And it's OK to need to learn some of those things so that you can get better as you go. I mean, I remember asking Foot later, what is salt and pepper, by the way? And he said, girl, I have no idea. And I've played in this system for years. And I just started laughing, right? And, you know, who knows how long it had been in there? Who knows what the original meaning was? But he wasn't worried about it. So I'm just not going to worry about it. <laughs> we just apparently, we have spicy food in Arizona. <laughs> major tip ask questions oh yeah. my god i love that and don't don't assume that you're wrong for asking questions yeah. right just, hey you know what else do i need to know about this blah 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 blah, blah. just very a matter of fact right you know yeah. people who want to see you do well are also going to want to help you do well yeah especially yeah. if it's things like that right like you know, I asked him and he's my mentor. I don't know what that is. Yeah. And we're not, oh. we're not talking about something like no offense. And, you know, if we're putting here in like some CEO or some C-suite individual new position and you go out and ask something that's like a Googleable, that's a little different. And that's supposed to be part of your job. So I get the intimidation factor of, well, oh shit, am I supposed to know this? Like, what is this? Is this like an internal thing? Is this whatever, whatever? But ultimately ask the question. You, you're never going to be stupid for actually knowing. Yeah. I mean, I always say don't suffer in silence. Yeah. Right. Like, and, and I, I came to that because, you know, I, it, it's like, it's so hard to get past something you don't know how to get past. Right. Right. And there may be elements that you don't have access to. Now, what's really hard is when you're in a position where you feel like you are positioned to not be able to not have all the answers, right? right? They right. say this all the time about CEOs and entrepreneurs is like that you feel like you have to have all of the answers because you're on an island. Yeah. Well, that means you need a circle of trust, which may have to be outside of your organization, right? Or you need a consultant who can come in and you can actually talk about those things too. Right. right? You, everybody needs to be able to have a soft place to land on certain things. Right. And that's like the right. value of coaching. I mean, look at what you do as a coach, because you can see outside of the play, you can correct the thing. You can understand what went wrong. You can help them understand it. No difference in business and life. Right. I mean, no different. Right. Um, right. We all know we need those things. If there's, 
I, I know because I've been the one of one yeah. many times yeah. to me, there is nothing scarier than feeling like you're the only one. Yeah. And you really Not were, scary. because like you said earlier, you know, for many female CEOs, founders, whatever, we have someone who went before us at this point in time. Right. And when you're there and there's nothing like you must have even questioned, like, what am I going after? Like, am I really going to get it? Because it's never been done before. But I didn't go after it because I couldn't envision it. That's different. Right. 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 You know, and, and it is really important to see people who look like you. Representation matters. Diversity matters. Um, I, I couldn't look and see a woman coaching football. And so it wasn't it wasn't something I set out to do. Right. Thankfully, um, you know, a coach recognized it in me because we were on the same field, right? Mm. Like we were on the same field and he was like, you could do this. That's interesting. You know, like, it, I mean, and he said, not a lot of guys are going to give you this opportunity. You're taking this job. And I said, no. And he said, what do you mean? No. And I said, no, we don't do this. Girls don't do this. I'm not doing this. And I hung up. Really? And the next day, oh yeah. Oh yeah. And the next day he called me back and told me about myself. He said, do you remember how I told you not a lot of guys were going to give you this opportunity and you were taking this job? So, yeah, he said, good. I took it for you. You're coaching for me. And by the way, you can't quit. Otherwise, the entire narrative surrounding women coaching and men's professional football will be we had a girl once and she quit. Yeah, that's a stab to the gut around us who see something before we even see it in ourselves. Right. I say Wendell Davis drop kicked me into success. Right. What he saw was how the players on the Texas revolution responded to me. He said, I knew everything about you. Right. This was the, this was the men's team I had played on. And he goes, but I never expected they would love you like that. He was like, those guys loved you. And he said, that was really special. And then he sat me down and starts grilling me about football and, you know, what was good with the team and what wasn't. And he said, I was so impressed. Like, of course I was going to tell you, you should coach. That's the same thing I would have said with a guy. So it wasn't, I must find a female right. and make her a coach. It was game recognizes game and you could make my game better. Right. So you got to coach. That's amazing. And yeah. And he said, I can teach you how to coach football, how to break down plays, software, whatever that is. But I can't teach the way that you are with those guys and the level of respect that they have for you. That's rare. And that was what really caught his attention. And let me ask you this, where, where does that come from? Does that come from you stepping into it with those two sort of thought lines uh, given to you by your predecessors, um, you know, saying like, be authentic, do these things, or did that come after? Well, be authentic came after okay. uh, that was going from indoor to the NFL. the NFL. So I was already coaching in, in right. indoor football before I went to the NFL. Um, and so TG had been on the field with me every day, right? It was just a, it was a bigger platform and, you know, more pressure, higher dollars, higher vi- visibility, all of that. But, you know, I'd already been coaching football. Right. Um, and he was one of those guys who was just very deep, really thought deeply about stuff, had been in the league and I hadn't. Um, and so, you know, for me, I had had, um, a lot of kind of NFL big brothers throughout my career. They, whether they would watch me play or they would have me come coach at their camps or, you know, we, 
went to the same charity event. So they would kind of be like, hey, do this, do that. But I'd always listen. And I think that's really important. You can't lead if you can't listen. Yes. If you don't know what people need, then how can you get them there? If you don't know where they are, how do you know where you're going to take them? If you don't know how they respond to certain things, like, will you get their best? So I would always listen to the guys and I was fascinated by their stories. And so really just getting to know what people need and um, how to get there and be a good listener um, was something. And so, you know, in those situations, I, I mean, I had been coaching coaches before this on athlete relationships, on feedback. So for me, when I went to the NFL, what was important is to make sure that, you know, they there are phrases that they always said, like the game doesn't love you. Right. I am hard on you because you can do this because you deserve this because I'm doing you no favors by letting you be less than your best self. Mm-hmm. Right. So through communication, you can really set the expectations that you see something better in someone, right? That I'm not just being hard on you to be hard on you. No, I'm giving you a gift because the best gift I can give you as a coach is to make you better, right? Right. That's a gift. And I'm investing my time and belief in you because I want you to do that. And I think too often we skip those steps in communication. We're not intentional on, hey, you know, I'm telling you this, right? You know, you got this, right? Right. Like, and making sure that they know, right. I'm not picking on you. I am trying to put you in the best possible position for success. Well, if you're focused on an end result and that's the only thing that makes you happy, you'll be unhappy a lot of the time. Mm. Unfortunately. Okay. Right. There, there is actually power in the process. Yes. Right. What, what do you do every day? Right. Like what do you do every day? And how is that going to make you some total, a better person, a better performer? Right. I, I, I have obviously taught classes on goal setting. I know how to break it down with the best of them. It's a big part of sports psychology. And yet I tell people, I used to get asked about that all the time. And I felt like a fraud. Mm, Why? Because that wouldn't have worked with me. Interesting. How do you, how do you set a goal if you didn't have it? So then how do you reverse engineer it? I'm going to, you know, break it down into manageable parts, right? I want to, I want to graduate college. Okay. College is four years, but it's this many credits. So I may end up doing it in three. I may end up doing it in five, but I know what completion looks like, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. That, that is a goal that you can goal set for all day, right? You can contingency plan the heck out of it because it's pretty clear cut what's going to have to happen. Right. 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 You may be in person, you may be virtual, right. like certain things are going to fluctuate, but that, but the result is measurable. Yes. Right. If, if I want to save a hundred dollars, I can tell when I saved a hundred dollars, right. Right? right. I can right. get derailed, right. Take some money out of the bank. Cause I wanted an ice cream, but I know what a hundred dollars looks like. If you don't know what the end game is, right. how do you compete in the game on a day-to-day basis? And that means for me, it was a simple 
reverse engineering of that. I would step up to every challenge the game put in my way. Mm. And I would challenge myself to be as good as possible and be prepared for those challenges, even if I didn't know what they looked like. Makes sense. Let me ask you this, putting on your sort of founder CEO brain, um, and let's mm-hmm. talk about some stuff too. We'll talk about some of the things that you're, you're working on, but putting on your founder CEO brain, what would kind of be some of the advice? Cause you, you've talked about this. You talked about resilience. It's kind of like having the grit to just make it through. What would be a practical thing that women could do in order to sustain that, whether that's sustain that level of motivation, sustain, you know, have that grit, right? Like we have our whys, we know what we're trying to do in that moment, but what else can we do with regards to actually just surviving sometimes, right? Sometimes it's just, let's just get through the shit. When we make it through the shit, we'll just go to the next, right? But how sometimes we need help, right? Sometimes we need to just make it through that moment. Some days you will run a marathon. Yeah. Other days you will feel like you can leap tall buildings in a single bound. Mm-hmm. Some days, the very best you have is to shuffle in slippers. And that is perfectly okay. Sometimes you need the recovery day. This is not, this is something that women are not good at. Motivation is not constant. Energy is not constant. And when you are hitting a wall, the answer is not necessarily to keep hitting the same wall in the same way. Sometimes you need to take a step back and realize like, oh, look, it's not actually a wall. It's a slab. And maybe I need to go around it. Maybe I can go under it. Maybe I can go over it. But when you're so close in, right? Right now, I look like I'm in a box. I'm in a box. Let me out of the box, right? And then the vantage point is here. But if I back up, I can see that like, oh my gosh, it's actually just a computer screen. Right. So we we have to do better about realizing that there is no one who has perfect energy, perfect con- concentration, um, perfect endurance in all things at all times. Right. That is not true. Perfection should not be the expectation. Perfection is boring. It's unapproachable and it is fleeting, even in its best right? Think about the best hair day you ever had. That hair was on point. It was perfection, girl. And then you went to sleep and you thought you were going to preserve it. You thought you might get two, two, two day hair out of it, but it was flat on one side because you actually had to sleep, right? Right. These things are not meant to last in that way at all time on all days. Okay. So one thing is to allow yourself to step away, mm-hmm. to rest. If you feel stuck, move physically, okay? Mm-hmm. If you are mentally stuck, being physically stuck doesn't help. Um, you may need the, uh, the endorphins, the creativity, all of those things by getting up and physically moving. Some of my best ideas have come on the treadmill or on the exercise bike or you know, not on the football field because you don't get to zone out on that. Right. <laughs> um, you actually have to react and tackle and stuff. You're zoning out on the football field. It's pretty bad. Um, but the truth is that those endorphins are power, powerful, creative stimulants, right? And and we need that. But um, unfortunately, when people grind, 
they tend to go more internal and get stiffer, mm-hmm. right? It's like, no, I just got to work through it. I got to work through it. I got to work through it. No, no. Maybe get up five, 10 minutes. Yeah. Walk and talk on the phone, right? Shift gears. If one problem isn't speaking to you, look at one of the other things that you have to do and tackle that. Then come back to this or get an outside opinion, but just suffering in silence and just fortifying, you know, just grinding through will grind you down. Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny how we, we do get stuck. I mean, some of the things that I say when I'm, when I'm working with people, when I'm coaching um, are some of the hardest things and yet the easiest, you know, one of the big things I always say is slow down to speed up, right? Because if you take the time to really understand it, wrap your head around it, understand all about it, you can go that much faster, that much better. Right. And then another thing, you know, I always talk about is when it does get hard like that, stop. And it's the hardest thing to do. It's the simplest thing, but it's the hardest for some reason, psychologically, emotionally, that we have this deep seated belief that we're just, no, if we work harder at it, if we're going to figure it out, we're going to spend more time on it. No, that's why your best ideas come in the shower, meditating, whatever you're doing, right? One treadmill running on the treadmill. You can zone out. It's the treadmill, right? You're not running through the forest, but even when you're running on the street, you zone out, you get that high, you get that place and you, you just kind of let it go. But it's, it's always like, for some reason, the simplest solution is like the hardest one for us to go after. It's kind of, it's kind of interesting, but yeah, I love that you said that. Um, Talk to me a little bit about how it's been for you. I know we'll talk about some of the things that you're engaged in. I, of course, know about Gridiron Girls. You have so much more going on. And let's talk about what do you have going on? And maybe just from the standpoint of being the founder, being the boss boss lady, you know, what? how has the pivot gone, right? And what's still going on? Because it's, you know, going to be happening again. <laughs> but tell me, tell me, tell me like a little highlight reel of what you have going on these days. Well, I think like, for everyone else, this is a hard time. It's a really hard time. And we first have to own that. Yeah. Okay. Like if, if, if you're afraid to say that it's hard, don't be. Yeah. It's hard on everyone in different ways. Right. Um, whether it's not being able to see people or, you know, I mean, my whole life was in-person events before this. So I, I, And yet I still hesitate to say that it's hard because, um, you know, in certain points I have, yes, done relatively well to pivot, Um, but it's still hard. Um, And it's okay. It's okay for you to say it's hard. It's okay for you to say it's terrible. It's okay for you to get mad. And then what are you going to do about it? Right. Like, but you do have to acknowledge it. Like, this is not normal and that's okay. Okay. So now what? And that doesn't mean don't grieve either. Right. I have a lot of people who have struggled because they're fighting with themselves. They feel guilty. Well, I have all this time and I, and, and you know, I should be doing more. Okay. Yeah. Did you ever grieve? Yeah. Because right now you're just faking it, right? Like you're just pretending like things aren't different and they are. And, you know, maybe you're more isolated, all of these things. So what have I done to pivot? Um, I have done a lot of, you know, kind of online talks for different businesses, whether it be on leadership or diversity and, um, you know, being present in ways that I probably wouldn't have had the time to do if I was traveling to a different city every other day. Um, so I've tried to be more available and present to be able to, you know, help and connect with people. Um, 
That's one thing. Um, probably the biggest thing that was started during COVID was the kids book series that I created called Critter Fitter, where we literally are using critters to get kids fitter through motion and emotion. Um, we have four books out already. Um, and it's been a really interesting process to me because first of all, one of the ones that was the most surprising is why is it me realizing this needs to be a conversation? I'm not going to lie, y'all. Football coach. Hey, uh, this, this wasn't necessarily where I would expect it. And yet, um, a lot of the work I've done is through kids and my studies been on kids. And I was listening to a lot of my friends and just hearing the big, huge problems they were dealing with and how they were even struggling to communicate it as adults. Mm. And all my mind kept going back to was the little kid pulling on their sleeves. Like, why are we doing this? This is so weird. I don't understand what's going on. Mm. And then being like, just wash your hands. Right. Or just put the mask on. I don't want to put the mask on. The mask is a villain. Right. Like if we look at, at what we've taught kids, right. Like if you were washing your hands nine, 10 times a day, you had OCD, (laughs) right. That's a little OCD, right. Like if you're putting a mask on, it's Halloween or culturally it's somebody who's suspect or bad, or they're robbing a bank because you don't want, you're hiding your face, right. All of these things and being kept away from the things that you're comfortable with, with school, with friends, with sports, right. That also has the, the challenge of, taking it internally. Well, kids are actually very resilient, but you have to tell them, right? They they want to understand the why and they want to know the rules. They want to know how they can be good at it. And if it's not, you're going to see, you know, behaviors manifest in, in ways that you were not expecting, <laughs> right? You know, my, my partner in crime on this or partners, I should say, Brooke Foley and Amanda Matthews help visually do what I do through writing. Um, and it's been so fun to see, you know, these concepts come to life and, and kids and families be able to be helped through them. I love it. I love it. Good for you. Well, listen, Jen, that is our time together. Thank you so much for being with us. It's been amazing. It's been incredible. Um, any last words, any last words to our listener that you want to impart upon them before leaving? You know, I I think it, it used to be common to believe that perfection was a goal. Mm. You know, I I know for me as an athlete, I was taught never to admit fear, never to admit weakness, right? Those were the cardinal sins. And then when I became a head coach for the first time, I realized that perfection is intimidating. Um, For people to learn from you, they really kind of have to relate to you Mm. and you can't relate to perfection. Um, I would, I would teach a girl something or try to tell them something and say, well, you can do that because you're Jen Welter. And I was like, okay, first of all, nobody says my full name. Like this is weird. (laughs) Well, why are you separating yourself from possibility because of what I've been able to do? And then I realized you know, they had basically given me that other status, like otherworldly. And because of that, it wasn't approachable. And I'd done so good a job at this persona 
that it wasn't relatable. And I made every one of my players go through and say, okay, if you think I'm superhuman, then just like, you know, Superman, I have a kryptonite. What is that? Mm. And I made them look critically, um, you know, for areas and that we could all, you know, have a best self, which is that superhuman self and also be aware of our weaknesses so that we can fortify each other. Um, And especially with everything going on in the world today, um, let your humanity lead, right? We're we're used to Zooms and imperfect backgrounds and, you know, kids, kids crashing meetings and, you know, my Chihuahua who is now infamous for crashing meetings. He's, you know, in the background here and, Instead of thinking, oh, that that was wrong, mm. right? It was wrong by old standards. It would have been frowned upon. Now think of it as this, this wonderful blessing where the person you were talking to gets insight into your life, but you know, beyond just what was presented on screen. Mm. And let's refocus kind of what our values look like and um, find places where we can have empathy and compassion as opposed to strive for perfection. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much, Dr. Jen. We appreciate you. Absolutely. Yes, my pleasure. So that is it for this week. Thank you for joining me. And I hope that you enjoyed today's show. If so, don't forget to rate it. If you guys have a pressing question, feel free to tweet me at CS Thrive uh, or on Instagram at Thrive Tribe 3.14159. Again, I know that's a weird one. It's just pi. So it's three, it's Thrive underscore tribe underscore 3.14159. Or of course you can join me in Facebook at my free group, which is Thrive Tribe Global. If you just search groups and you enter in Thrive Tribe Global, you should see us there um, and you can join it for free. Uh, I answer your questions in there, but if you guys send me a question through there, I will be sure to answer it here on this podcast. And as always, if you're ever interested in advertising on the show, please contact the Believe Network at Believe, B-L-E-A-V, at Believe.com. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.